This podcast is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. Visit them online at mslandbank.com. And if you're listening to this in time, remember, Friday, February 22nd, at all Mississippi Land Bank branch offices, they'll be giving away trees. Check it out. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Recorded Omaha. Here comes the Bulldog baseball team. All right, thanks for tuning in to Dogpile, Mississippi State Baseball Podcast. I'm Matt, and Brett Hudson has arrived. What up, Brett? I'm doing good, man. I need uh, I need to get a walk-up song as awesome as uh, as Gunner Halters. Okay, and his That's is what I need. What is his walk-up song? Grills. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar. You surprised? A serious throwback to uh, to Nelly in yeah. my in my childhood. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, that so is good. good. That is Jealous good. Gunner Halter. You know, I have this thing about like, what do you think if you did have to choose a walk up song? Just real quick. Um, because I have this thing in my gut that I would try to just throw everybody for a loop, like something really out of left field. I don't know. You know, like Rooker had Sinatra. You just don't hear that every day, you know? That's true. Uh, as a walk-up song. So I might go, you know, completely out of left field, like some really throwback bluegrass, um, mm. you know, something like that, or – Really just super-duper cocky and pretentious and just walk up to the plate with the natural, you know, music uh, <laughs> from, you know, like Roy Hobbs and stuff. Yeah, so I might do something like that. What would you do if you did have to it, choose? It, it, nothing is as good as Hayden Jones from Indiana walking up to the Indiana Jones <laughs> I theme. I know it. Music. <laughs> it is, is so good. So fantastic. So, so it, good. It really is. Uh, so I actually had this question on the mailbag before before baseball season. I'm not sure what I would do. I would definitely be that uh, that pain in the neck for the marketing department because I would change my walk-up song all the time. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly what I would do. And, and there is not a superstitious bone in my body. So mm. I could be on like an eight-game hit streak, which first of all is ridiculous because that has never and will never happen. But I could be on an eight-game winning streak, and I would change my walk-up song going into a game. Like, that—that yeah. that yeah. is a thing that I would do because there is nothing about me that is superstitious. So the, the answer is I would have dozens of, of walk-up songs probably. Yeah. Well, there's only like 50-something games in a season. Roughly half of them are, are at home. So maybe at least a dozen walk-up songs over, over the course of, of the season, no there doubt. You there you go. If your name was Zach, you know, you'd pick out – like the theme song from Saved by the Bell, see if everybody right. got it. You know, stuff like that. You'd have to have some, right. some deeper meaning. I got you. All right. Enough of the fun stuff. Well, it's all fun, but enough of the silly stuff. So, sure. Brett, uh, here we are, the immediacy of last night's uh, you know midweek win, as we record here on a Thursday, over UAB. Now, it doesn't have to be pretty. It was a win. If you're listening to this, we're going to – do uh, the recap of last night's game first. We'll spend a little bit of time, go back and kind of recap the weekend where they really dominated 
mm-hmm. uh, Youngstown State, and then later we'll preview what's coming up with Southern Miss. But here we are just really not even 24 hours after State came from behind. I want to start you off and tee this up for you. Um, we all know that stuff happens. Guys, you know, get injured. Um, Graham Ashcraft, when he was at State, could not really stay healthy. He had a couple of hip surgeries, all that. There was never, ever any question of his talent and his God-given ability. Well, last night for UAB, I, I'm watching it, and I just don't think he could have been better. He showed exactly what his potential is. He, I thought he was that good for UAB on the mound. Uh, Jake Mangum gave him credit after the game. Uh, he had a two-seam and a cutter that looked very much the same, but, of course, from a righty, a cutter is going to break inside on left-handed hitters. Uh, I'm a lefty hitter, so forgive me. It's going to break inside on a lefty hitter, but away from a righty hitter. But the way Ashcraft was kind of tunneling them and throwing them, they looked the same all the way up until the point that they actually started to to break. So he was he was pretty tough to to hit in in that regard when he's got two hard pitches breaking opposite ways that that look the same. And you, you're right, he showed all of the potential that led John Cohen to bring him to Mississippi State in the first place. Of course, uh, I, I don't know if there was anything inside the program or, or let me rephrase that I don't have the the solidified information to speak to if there was anything outside inside the program that may have led to his uh being being asked to leave but I, I do know that the hip injuries did did cause uh issues with with his departure I mean there's it's a hip injury those things are, are finicky you never know how someone's going to come back from those there are, there are just dozens if not hundreds of of horror stories in college athletics of of hip injuries just derailing what what should have been a very promising athletics career hips are just so finicky and and tough um psychologically and and physiology wise that mm-hmm. way so it's it's just it's it's a tough situation for Graham and for Mississippi State obviously because he's a talented pitcher who clearly has SEC stuff and is pitching for for UAB right now. But luckily for for UAB, in his return to uh, to Mississippi State, he showed off that stuff. Yeah, he was he was tough to hit, and he's he's obviously the reason why Mississippi State was was hitless for a majority of this game. Yeah, he was so good, and that cutter, you know, you could you could see it. You're watching again. I was watching online, and uh, you can see from the center field camera. That it just had that it had still a lot of velocity. I mean, he's throwing a two seamer at ninety four, he's throwing his cutter at ninety ninety one, and it would just fall off the table. It was, you know, that combo of pitches very much like what Dakota Hudson had in twenty sixteen that just ate everybody up and sent him into the first round, you know. And he was throwing a mix of four different pitches, um, you know, change up slider slash curveball, cutter, and fastball. You know, that's what Hudson was doing. And he was just, you know, when he controlled it, you couldn't hit him. Uh, people couldn't put the bat on the ball. And so, yeah, last night, that was a deal where you just had that whole dynamic, Brett, of over the weekend, you got a full ballpark full of people, opening weekend. There's all this electricity. You're amped up. It's awesome. The weather was really decent, you know. And you're playing a team that, can't throw one up there 92 to save their life. Everything was 87, 88 miles an hour. You know, so it's hit it all over the park. So this is a totally different deal. It's midweek, it's raining, it's cold. There's nobody at the park. And you're playing a guy who has elite arm talent. 
<laughs> for the first time this year. So I thought that Rowdy Jordan, at bat, his first at bat, I guess, which was you know in that bottom of the first, where I guess he saw four pitches, and three of them were fastballs at about 94, and he never even got the bat off his shoulder. You know, I thought that right there was pretty indicative of there was just an adjustment for state hitters in that game, and they they couldn't square up um, Ashcraft, and it took getting his pitch count up to where they took him off the mound. He was so good, they finally get him off the mound and maybe, I guess, save him for their weekend. And then State was able to make something happen. And Jake Mangum, again, he was Mr. Clutch when he had to be. Yeah, he's he's the hero as he – as he often is, but yeah, you bring up a good point about the adjustment. It's uh, it's better to do that now than against Southern Miss on on Friday night, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that series later on. But but yeah, it's it, it was a good moment for for Mississippi State to to see that now, and, and that's why you bring in midweek opponents like UAB. Um, we we talked when we talked about the schedule in the uh, in the season preview episode. This was something I, I went out of my way to commend Mississippi State on because when you're a school of 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 this caliber you can easily bring in the entire swack um and mm. and just play nobody in the midweek but Mississippi State did not do that they brought in UAB they'll get southeastern Louisiana later they'll have East Carolina first week of March Little Rock comes in later in March they go to Sanford um ULM South Alabama all of these are midweek games, and I, and I haven't even mentioned the the Governor's Cup game against Ole Miss. Mm. Uh, so when you when you have midweek games of of this quality, you're actually going to challenge yourself with something. You're actually going to develop yourself a little bit, and, and you can only hope that uh, that that helps Mississippi State for when Southern Miss comes to town. No doubt. Hey, before we um, completely get away and and go back to Youngstown State. Let me give you a chance, if you're listening here, to kind of hear what it sounded like on the radio. Uh, Mississippi State's great baseball announcer, Jim Ellis, is in his 41st season this year. This is a little bit of what some of the calls from the UAB win in the midweek sounded like from Jim Ellis of Learfield IMG College, and we'll follow that up. You can hear what uh, Chris Lamonis said after last night's win over UAB, both on a postgame radio and in the dugout after the game. Davis stretches and pitches, and there's a line shot in the right field, and that will score a pair, and the Bulldogs have a lead, and you were so right. He's the guy you wanted to have at the plate. This guy right here, this guy right here is impressive. I mean, he, he just, he wants to be there when it matters the most. We were, uh, it didn't feel like it about 10 o'clock this morning. It just kept raining and raining, but eventually it got out of here. And, and when we talk about having one of the best fields around, it, it's not just how it looks, it's how it plays. And our grounds crew is awesome, and they did a great job getting it ready. It was a uh, it was a pitcher's ball game today. It was not maybe not a great hitter's day as far as the weather situation, but uh, just talk about it. Uh, Plumley got in a little trouble in the one inning, but uh, your thoughts on on his start? I, I thought he was really good early. I think he got a little tired there in the fifth. That's the farthest he had gone, and actually he was still making some good pitches. And then he, he was 0-2 and threw a breaking ball right down the middle of the plate and got it, got himself in trouble a little bit by throwing too many strikes or too many good pitches in there. But he. Um, he was good, and I thought everybody that came out of the pen just pounded the zone for us. You just have to compete, and you got to pitch and play defense every day, and you have a chance to win. 
I thought we made some really nice plays there. Skelty, I hated that they reviewed that one because that was one of the best plays I had seen. But Gunner there, Foss's play, just playing defense and playing the game the way it's supposed to be. And sometimes we don't hit. It's going to be like that, especially when a guy's really good. So you got to tip your hat to him. But I thought the shirt tonight, two out hits win ball games, and Jake Mangum got a big Hey, we got a big weekend coming up. Big weekend coming up. We need a great practice tomorrow. So when we get out of here, get something to eat, get some studying in, get some rest, be ready to go tomorrow. We might be inside, we might be outside because of the weather. But man, we got to be ready to go on Friday. And I think you older guys especially know that. Where they have a really good team coming in here, but we have a really good team too. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, so um, midweek win by the hair of the chinny chin chin, three to two over UAB. But if you go back, Brett, to last weekend opening weekend, just spend a brief time on that because first time we've recorded since then. But yeah, just a dominant opening weekend all the way around. Really clean, sharp baseball from state against an opponent. Didn't you think? I mean, like the talent gap from Youngstown State to Mississippi State was about as big as you'll see. I think any time this season, frankly. Yes. Um, that, I mean, you mentioned it. The talent discrepancy uh, changes some things there. So it's hard to to look at this as as something with serious meaning for for the future. But there there are a few nuggets and, and points in there that were worth pointing out. First, first of all, Landon Jordan uh, got the start. The freshman got the start at D.H., all three games. And if you go back to the preview episode, that was a very interesting spot to monitor for, for this team. Cause there were so many options. There was Josh Hatcher since he didn't get the first base starting job. Tanner Allen holds on to that. There are other freshmen in the lineup, the catcher Hayden Jones, uh, also another catcher, Marshall Gilbert, uh, another new addition, Basil Williams out in the outfield. There, there's so many options for, Mississippi State at designated hitter and the fact that Landon Jordan got that stop got that spot all three days. I forgot to mention Brad Cumbest, by the way. He did yeah. get some some pinch hit ABs in that weekend series. He was another option for for designated hitter. But to get back to Landon Jordan, the fact that he got the start in all three of those games and started the midweek game against UAB, that that leads me to believe that there is a lot of confidence in that guy right now. I, I heard from some folks around the program that he's he's very advanced mentally in, in the hitting game, not only when he's at the plate, but also in making the adjustments at bat to at bat, day to day, practice to practice. He's the kind of guy where you can watch him take a round of BP, you can pull him out of the cage, you can tell him something, and he'll take that into the next round of BP and have it down the exactly the way you told him, exactly the way that you want him to do it. He's that kind of guy, and, and you can you can pretty much assume how that has a positive impact on your on your hitting. So clearly, he's done a lot to impress the the coaching staff. I'm interested in what you thought of his abs yeah. on the weekend. But one more point I did want to put out there was Brandon Smith, another freshman, mm-hmm. uh, the righty reliever. We talked about on the preview episode how Coach Lamonis is very much a set roles kind of guy in, in the bullpen. He likes to have guys in in buckets to to know when they're going to come into the game, how they're going to be used, et cetera, et cetera. And one of those roles is what he calls the dirty inning. Basically, when you get called into a game mm-hmm. with guys on base and not at the beginning of an inning. Uh, he he mentioned that he likes to have guys for for that, and he did that in the Wednesday game against UAB. He, uh, he pulled Peyton Plumley after four and two-thirds, I think there were runners on second and third with two outs 
And the guy he called on was a freshman, Brandon Smith. Uh, so I, I asked Coach Lamonis about that after the game because um, I thought it was interesting that maybe he was a guy that he trusted in that situation. He said he was a proven strike thrower, that he is a guy that they trust in that dirty inning relief situation that they know that he is that kind of guy. And he also matched up well with, with UAB's particular bats. So I'm sure that played some role in it, but I, I just thought it was interesting that in the first four games of the season, two freshmen kind of separated themselves to whatever extent you can in four games as having potentially important roles on this team going forward. I just thought it was interesting that with all of the returning pieces and then a very good freshman class that came in through four games, those two uh, Landon Jordan at designated hitter and then Brandon Smith out of the bullpen. Those were two that, that, that I thought kind of made statements in, in the first four games of, of the year. And, and you need to see that more going forward to, to solidify that outside of a, a small sand. Size. But I thought it was interesting all the same, and I wanted to to point it out and to not, not only get your thoughts, but also make sure the, the fans were, were tracking that and paying attention to that as we sort of collect more, more gains in this sample here. Yeah, I thought there were so many newcomers. So in, in the four games total, if you look at the three on the weekend and then last night against UAB, I thought there are a bunch of new faces that all um, are either as good as advertised or maybe in some cases – they weren't advertised that much, but now everybody's talking about them. Okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, and Landon Jordan, the thing about him is you watch his at-bats, uh, and I don't have the box scores up, but I know he put it in play a bunch and had some hits and drove in some runs. He is that left-handed bat at DH that has a little bit of a of, of a Tanner Allen kind of presence, frankly, in that, in that left-handed batter's box where – you know, he's so balanced. His swings are on. He's not chasing anything way out of the strike zone. And much like you see with Tanner Allen, you're not worried about the guy at all if he gets in a two-strike count where they've got the leverage and can play with him out of the strike zone a little bit. He's just – he's so t- – he's even tougher with two strikes than he is, you know, earlier in the at-bat. Yeah. And, and Jordan as a freshman, again, you know, there's going to be some tough Friday nights when SEC play rolls around. Um, because you're going to see some guys that are going to be high draft picks around the SEC. And so as a freshman, he'll he'll learn some stuff for the first time. But what you have confidence is, watch him, is if it's in the strike zone, he's going to be on it. He's not going to get fooled a ton. He's going to have good steady at-bats. That's just how he looks to me. He's going to put the ball in place some, you know. And um, you just like it. He, he just has that look about him uh, in the batter's box of confidence. Um, and then, uh, okay, so, and you talk about Smith, uh, the ball really moves. You know, he and JT Ginn were two freshmen that we saw. Well, I know we saw Ginn on, in game two on the Saturday doubleheader last week, but yeah. now we've seen Smith on the mound twice. But those are some freshmen that you look at and you go, well, even the fastball is hard to get on because he'll throw that two-seam fastball and it really runs into the right-handed hitter. It's moving. Yep, and that's one of the things the coaching staff raves about JT Ginn is that, it, I mean, Foxhall says I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. This freshman that as hard as he throws and everything he throws just moves all over the place. He's so hard to put the fat part of the bat on. I think that's probably one of the things they like about Smith is a he throws strikes, and b the ball just moves naturally out of his hand. You know, there's his tail on his fastball. So that's the other thing. But the other newcomers, you know. 
I know it's not like he didn't do anything necessarily headline worthy, but Halter, he put the ball in play. I think he had a hit in every game over the weekend. You know, and again, yeah, he's hitting 267 right now. Okay, so 267, he put the ball in play. He had a hit in each game. He's batting in your nine hole as your new second baseman. Um, there were a couple of balls on the weekend he didn't get to. Ball hitting the four hole, and one he has to go to his left. But right. then last night against UAB, you see him track that ball down in an important situation, right? He goes in yep. the hole and dives and makes a play. So uh, the other thing, um, help me out, the name of the big left-handed reliever that pitched uh, out of the pen on the weekend from JUCO, uh, he might have been the first guy onto the mound after Ginn exited um, the game. Jack Egan? Egan, yeah. Yeah, he was he was awesome. He went uh, two scoreless, hitless innings. Had four Ks. He was he was huge. He's a newcomer. I wanted to mention alongside Colby White, yeah, who came out of the bullpen and threw flames. Yeah, dude was lighting up the radar gun. Mid nineties consistently. He pitched uh, one scoreless inning. Did allow a hit, but but struck out all three batters that that he ultimately retired. So I, I'm glad you uh. You mentioned both those guys, Jack Egan and, and Colby White. I, I mentioned Brandon Smith as a newcomer to watch in, in the pen, but he's far from the only one. Well, and Sarantola to me too, okay? So yeah, he came in there on Saturday in that doubleheader. And again, not, we say, as good as advertised. You know, inside the clubhouse, they know what kind of stuff he has. But outside of it, we weren't talking a whole lot about this kid. He comes in there. He's 6'5", 190 pounds. Okay, so straight. Canadian. Canadian at that. And must we remind everybody that State's had good luck with Canadians. Jacob Robson, you know, that's always – we had the Canadian hammer, and so we'll see what Sarantola can, you know, get going out there in terms of flags and signs out in left field one of these days. <laughs> but anyway, just a freshman. And the thing is, okay, he, in terms of number of pitches and strikes, I think he threw – did I read it? I think he threw 19 pitches and like eight or nine of them were strikes. Well, everybody else was a little better than that in terms of in the strike zone. Yeah. But he was so effective because, and, and so exciting to see because here comes this 6'5 freshman who is throwing 94, 95, could go higher than that in some situations. He gets amped up. His fast, he's got that arm angle at 6'5 over the top arm angle coming down which is different than you see with these other pitchers. His fastball really moving in on the right-handed hitter, really sharp breaking ball mixing in with all that velocity, incredibly live arm. And you see this talent that they're talking about. His stuff, as they say, is real. Okay, And it's just a matter of mechanically and everything else. Sometimes with the tall, long guy with those really long arms, Mm -hmm. it takes longer and just more practice and more bullpen work to at some point tighten up all those mechanics to where you can just repeat them consistently pitch after pitch after pitch, right? That's where the control comes from, the hit in your spots. And when he gets there, it may not be this year, but it might be. But when he does get there, he has a chance to be really, really special. And so what we're saying here, Brett, is – we're sitting here going on and on about the talent and the ability that we're seeing with these new guys. We haven't, you know, we're not having a conversation right now about Mangum and Allen and all these guys who are great. They're your all Americans. It's the yeah. it's the future that you're start that you already saw some this weekend. And and don't leave out what you mentioned him, in, uh, Indiana Jones uh, behind the plate. 
Yeah. You know, he had the bomb home run on Saturday night in that third game. That ball hasn't landed yet. I mean, just crushed it. But even more impressive than that was the one opportunity he had behind the plate to throw a guy out at second base trying to steal. Yeah. We've heard all about how great an arm he has behind the plate, um, that that major league arm. And I'm telling you, he had one opportunity, and boy, did he ever show it out. Um, incredible get out. And it was a tough pitch to handle. It was not a fastball that just came cruising in there that he jumps up or pitch out. This was a deal that bounced in front of him, a breaking ball that bounced. He gloves it on the bounce, has it out in a millisecond, and on a dead rope, lays it right on the glove side, the runner side of the bag, and they just tag him out. It was an unbelievable throw, and you saw that talent. I guess what I'm saying, I know it's one weekend, but at this point I'm comfortable saying for our audience, Brett, that the talent in some of these newcomers that they've already put on the field is really, really impressive, and I'm not sure I can compare. I'm not sure in recent years you have anything to compare it to, frankly. Well, not only that, but it it fits. All this new coming talent fits where Mississippi State needed it to a T. Uh, they needed a new DH. They've got plenty of that, uh, thanks to Landon Jordan. Uh, how how many years in a row have we talked about just really unfortunate bullpen yeah. pitching out of out of Mississippi State? And now all these newcomers are in the bullpen. Brandon Smith, Jack Egan, Colby White, Eric Sarantola. And the bullpen has not given up an earned run through four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunnar Halter at, at second base, you mentioned. Uh, they needed some depth at catcher. Hayden Jones seems to be providing that. Maybe a little more than, than depth with, with the power he has in his game, both behind the plate and uh, at the at the plate, if he can just become a little bit better defensively, he he could blossom into a, a fantastic catching prospect. So all these all these newcomers are not only performing four games in. Of course, we're we're about to find out how, how good they are against a, a really good club, but they're also performing in spots where Mississippi State needs them to perform. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's exciting to kind of see what they're able to do. With uh, against the backdrop of knowing the competition is about to, uh, you know, ramp up. You saw it against UAB with Ashcraft on the mound, and yeah. you'll see it with Southern Miss coming in this weekend. So, speaking of that, um, what we're going to do next is look ahead. Southern Miss, you're supposed to have a three game series. We'll see what the weather allows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But we do know that it's a big one. Anytime these two get together, two good baseball programs from the state rivals. And last year, Southern Miss swept state in Hattiesburg. Let's see what happens this weekend. So we'll preview that. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Mississippi Land Bank, uh, who understand the lay of the land. And you can visit them at mslandbank.com. We do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land, too. We live for an early morning duck hunt, time spent in a deer stand, a day of fishing, and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi, and that's where I stand. So big weekend series against Southern Miss, as you as you just mentioned. Uh, 
I've got some numbers on on Southern Miss after their uh, their weekend sweep of Purdue. They did not get a midweek game. They were supposed to play Troy. That got postponed. So all the numbers we have are from that uh, that weekend uh, sweep of of Purdue. Do you want to dive into Golden Eagle hitting or pitching first? Let's do pitching. Let's take a look at what they've got on the mound. Okay, so the the bullpen is is what stood out to me. Uh, the Sunday starter got shelled. He only lasted one inning, but the bullpen picked up the final eight innings with five hits allowed. Also, the day before that, Cody Carroll had a three-inning save. Um, starting pitching-wise, Stevie Powers had a strong Saturday outing, six innings with two hits allowed, one earned run, and and six strikeouts. But the, the bullpen is what stood out to me. So you mentioned uh, we, we just got done talking about Graham Ashcraft and the strong performance he had against uh, Mississippi State in that midweek game. I imagine you'll see some arms of that quality out of the uh, the Southern Miss bullpen. Uh, and, and plus, Stevie Powers is coming off a, a good Saturday outing. So that's what that's what Southern Miss seems to have going for it in the uh, in the pitching regard. But as we transition to the hitting aspect for for the Golden Eagles, uh, most of the intrigue around this is the return of Brant Blaylock. Yeah. Uh, former Mississippi State Bulldog now at Southern Miss coming coming back to Starkville to play a few games uh, as the road team this time. Let's quickly relive the the Brant Blaylock story arc. So he uh, he had it rolling in 2017 uh, over the span of 10 days in a non-conference play that year. He upped his average from 172 to 260. He was the guy in the outfield going into conference play. Then he went hitless in six of his seven conference starts that year, saw his average dip to 193 by the end of the year. And, and by the end of that season, Hunter Vansall and Elijah McNamee, um separated themselves as the starting outfielders for that team that ultimately got to the uh, the Baton Rouge Super Regional. It's funny, though, while he was uh, at Mississippi State in 2017, he played against Southern Miss. On March 21st, 2017, he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Ouch. And then his team went to the Hattiesburg Regional in 2017. He won it. He didn't play in it, but his team uh, did win that that regional at Southern Miss. Anyway, after that, he uh, he went to Northwest Community College and just murdered baseballs. Mm-hmm. 385 in 44 games. He had 12 doubles, two triples, and 18 homers. He slugged 833. At Northwest Community College, that earned him this spot at Southern Miss, and he's off to a strong start. He hit 3.33 in his one weekend uh, back in Division One baseball, and had a homer in that Purdue series. So I know a lot of people are uh, going to be interested to see Brant Blaylock. That's what he's been up to for for the last couple years. I remember people were seeing his uh, his JUCO numbers when he was at Northwest and wondering why Mississippi state let that guy go. Of course, all worked out for, for both parties. I think, uh, Brant is back in division one baseball and last year's team went to Omaha. So I think it, uh, it worked out for everybody, but fans in the, uh, fans in the right field, uh, portion of, of duty noble field. will at least see a familiar face in, in Brant Blaylock. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, that's, uh, that, that arc, it happens a lot. And what happens sometimes is people, you know, they come back and they go, well, why did we ever, you know, why didn't we make sure this player stay? You know, every situation is different. I mean, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know. And the truth about it is, you know, you look at Graham Ashcraft, the transfer. It has, a yep. lot of times it has nothing to do with talent. Uh, it has nothing to do with 
ability or upside, and it has just everything to do with, frankly, uh, just situational stuff individually and for the team. And Mississippi State's program, you know, they've been driving it to and towards and now into a position where they are a premier program in the country, a top five, top ten type program annually in the country. That's where they are, where you got to win right now and you got to be able to produce and you got to be ready to play right now. And if you're not, then your upside has to be through the roof or they're going to go try to find that person for that position you're vying for. Does that make sense? And yeah, so, absolutely. And so I think it, you, you got to be proud for people like Brandt. He did some good things for you. And then when it didn't work out and he wound up in JUCO, yeah, he that is a kid who absolutely has kind of manned up to his situation and owned it and totally uh, altered his arc when he got to Northwest Community College because he could not miss one. He, you know, apparently was in a comfortable situation. So good for him, you know, um, and, and and now he gets to come back in there and compete this weekend. Good stuff. Yeah, he seems to have a hold over that uh, that right field starting spot for for Southern Miss. But the the big power bats there are the uh, the first baseman Hunter Slater and the DH Matt Walner. Those are the mm-hmm. the two names that that state fans need to know. Uh, first baseman Slater and the DH Walner. Uh, Slater hit six fifteen. He he had a ridiculous OPS in opening weekend of one point five two three. Eight hits in three games. I'll do that for you. And then Walner at DH, he hit 417 and walked three times. So he's he's got the eye for it, too. So those are the two uh, big names in the uh, in the lineup to know. Hunter Slater at first base and uh, Matt Walner at designated hitter. I imagine those yeah. two will have a big bearing on uh, on the ability of the Southern Miss lineup this weekend. But it's it's an interesting challenge for, for this starting rotation. Uh, we have no reason to believe that the starting rotation is going to change for, for state. It should be Ethan small, JT Ginn, Keegan James in that order uh, with Peyton Plumley being a, a important relief piece as is Spencer price and all those guys we mentioned uh, earlier and, and recapping the, the first four games of, of the year. It's an interesting challenge for, for that group, because as we mentioned, the the talent differential between Mississippi state and Youngstown state, it, it makes it hard to draw any real conclusions from, from three games in general, but especially three games at a talent differential of that level. And that, that talent differential isn't going to exist in whatever amount of baseball mother nature allows to be played in, in Starkville this weekend. So this is, this is kind of the, the weekend that we've been waiting for, and there's going to be more. The The team goes to uh, Frisco for for three in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and there are some other good challenges in, in the non-con. But this is this is the first one. And, and this is a an interesting measuring stick for for this team. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching however much baseball I'm allowed to watch. Yeah, same here. You know, we just hope that the weather kind of and, and that would be another public service announcement right there is what we all know is that when you look at the game times, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just know that weather is going to play with it. Uh, it's going to move it around Friday, Saturday, very likely. Um, so just get ready for that follow Brett on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson, anything that comes out of the school um, regarding 
changes and tweaks and start times and all that. Uh, and I will too. We'll get it regurgitated for you on Twitter, so you know if you follow us, we'll kind of keep you updated. Uh, Brad, I want to before we close, I want to give just one or two thoughts on uh, Southern Miss. Uh, number one, yes, Matt Walner. He's their cleanup hitter, their DH. He's an all-around type player. You know, he's been an outfielder. He's been an infielder. He's pitched. He may pitch for them this weekend. Some we will see. He is an elite talent. He is an elite hitter. He will be a one of those draft pick and go play pro ball type guys. Big, tall, strong. 6'5", probably every bit of it. Mm-hmm. And he hit something like, what did he hit, like 16 home runs last year. He hit about that or so the year before as a freshman. Um, so just get ready. If you're a state fan, just get ready. This is the deal. Matt Walner is going to hit the baseball this weekend. He may hit a couple <laughs> out of that park, you know, depending on situations and stuff. And Slater in their three-hole, he's their first baseman. Uh, he had a home run this past weekend in, in Hattiesburg over Purdue. They There's a reason he's their three-hole hitter. There's a reason those two are three and four. Uh, they are – they are very good players. To put it this way, Youngstown State doesn't have anybody on their roster that is anywhere near those two guys' league. Okay, This no. is a different challenge, so just get ready for that. The other thing to, that I wanted to point out is they do have some new guys in new roles on the mound, and it didn't all go swimmingly. Like their Friday starter, Powell, against Purdue, kind of got – uh, he got knocked around a little bit. And he threw strikes, but he only struck out two and he walked two, but he gave up a couple runs on five hits and just four yeah. innings through those 52 pitches, and then they went to the bullpen because their bullpen's so strong. Um, and Stevie Powers, who is their their game two starter, really is their most experienced starter. So, you know, just get ready for pitching changes also. You're going to see that playing Southern Miss. In the first game, the second game, third, they're going to they're gonna put a bunch of guys on the mound. So get ready for pitching changes. And, and, and you know, and the other thing, too, I would point out is this. Um, I know Scott Barry. <clears throat> excuse me. I know Scott Barry, their head coach, and I really think a lot of Scott. He is an excellent coach. He is one of the best, I think, that we've seen. Um, at every year, he has the ability to take a new group of guys and have them whipped up into a – team with chemistry and camaraderie and belief you know that's how they operate in that program he's very very good and there are a lot of state fans who have a lot of respect for Scott because they remember when he was the coach at Meridian Community College all those years and did such a great job and coached guys like Cliff Lee and all that mm-hmm. he, he Scott Barry is just the real deal and so there's going to be a lot of respect but because of what happened last year and the way Southern Miss really beat up on State in that first weekend when all the stuff with Canizero was going on, there's going to be a lot of emotion, too, and a lot of uh, pent-up uh, emotion of wanting from State fans wanting to see State exercise that demon and put it on Southern Miss. But it's just not going to be easy. Uh, last thing, and then I'll shut up. This is really long. <laughs> I know. But it's a Southern Miss team that came from behind – in all three games to beat Purdue and sweep them. That requires belief in chemistry and the right kind of, you know, gut, frankly, on a team. 
that's what I saw, including on that Friday night. They had to come from behind, get a home run late, including Blaylock, and then get a walk off in extra innings to win it. Those are signs of belief and chemistry and the right kind of thing. So you're going to be in a fight for every pitch of every inning of this series, depending on how much weather you know, allows you to get it in. And that's just kind of what I expect. I know a lot of that's preaching to the choir because state fans understand that. But I just want to put it out there. In early season baseball, it can go either way. It really can. So this is really going to be um, – the other stuff that you've had this week really was kind of warm-up, frankly. This is going to be the first real challenge for state's baseball team. All right, so that'll wrap it up for this week's Dogpile podcast. I'm Matt. He's Brett Hudson. Y'all follow him on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson. Appreciate you doing that. He'll keep you updated on the weekend. Can't wait to see what happens. Thanks for tuning in. Do us a favor. Tell your friends about it. Help us spread the word about the podcast every Thursday right here at Dogpile. Subscribe wherever you can. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, Anywhere you get a podcast, just search for Dogpile. You'll get it. And uh, tell other folks about it. And also let them know. They are MS Land Bank on Twitter. Let Mississippi Land Bank know that you appreciate them supporting our podcast here, Dogpile, covering Mississippi State baseball. And we'll see you next time. See you. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Recorded Omaha. Here comes the Bulldog baseball team. And there's a ball in the air.